a lot of the emerging biotechs that are not biopharma, but some of them are that are biopharma that are leveraging biology. They're trying to kind of change that narrative. And a lot of people don't know about the innovations that are happening. Hey, everyone, it's Carl. Welcome to 2024. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. There's a lot going on, and people have been making predictions on what 2024 is going to look like. We also made some predictions. You can read those on LinkedIn or on the Messaging Lab blog. I think it's going to be an interesting year. There's been a bit of a funding with biotech over the last couple of years. Biopharma has suffered a bit. But as I'm recording this, there was an announcement that Goldman Sachs just raised a $650 million fund to invest in biotech's so-called golden age. I don't know if that fund has any dollars earmarked towards non-healthcare biotech, which is what we tend to cover here at Grow Everything, but it just shows that there's a lot of faith and a lot of interest in the biotech industry. Iram is on the road. She's been in India, so this podcast we recorded with me interviewing her. We talk about what she's learned about Indian biotech. I'm super excited for this episode because one of the things that we said last year was that in 2024, we'd take a much more global view towards the emerging biotechnology industry and how it's being developed in different countries, in different places around the world. You've probably heard me say that biology is everywhere. So it's no surprise that as the technologies that enable biotech become easier to access, become more democratized, we're going to see some really interesting developments happen in places that you might not normally think of as being biotech power centers. When it came to computing, you had to be in one of the big academic centers, say a Boston or San Francisco or Cambridge in the UK because those are the only places where there was a lot of computational power. But as the internet spread and as computation became more distributed, we saw and we continue to see very interesting developments come from other places in the world. We're going to see the same thing play out with biotechnology. This idea of having innovation happen outside of the developed world, I find fascinating. And our friend Alexis Gomez Ortigosa, one of the co-founders of Polybion, was the one who first mentioned that idea to me that we'd see a lot of innovation coming from so-called developing nations. And when we think of India, we often think of people outsourcing IT or technology or just back office stuff. But India has one of the largest engineering workforces in the world, has some tremendous colleges churning out incredibly smart engineers and incredibly smart people. And so it would make sense that biotech is a focus and there is some very interesting biotech in India. So Yerum and I are going to talk about that. And then the next episode, Yerum will be covering for me. We're going to start the interview series again. And then in a couple episodes, I'll be the one who's on the road. I'll be going to the Biofabricate conference in Paris and hope to do an episode dedicated to that conference. So I'll let Iram take it away. Enjoy this episode. Hey, Iram, how are you? Namaste, Carl. I'm doing well. Whoa, namaste. Does that give us a hint as to where you are? Where are you? 
right now I'm in Bangalore, India. I hear about Bangalore all the time. I have no idea what it looks like. What's the picture that people should have in their minds when they think about Bangalore? They should think of a very lush city. So there's lots of trees and beautiful plants. It is very tech-oriented. So there is a big tech community across software and biotech, which we'll talk about. A lot of young workers, young families. It's in the Karnataka state of India. So a little bit south central. And it's a beautiful, beautiful city. Okay. And I'm looking it up while we're talking. It basically has the same population as New York City. It's like 8 million people. Yeah. The big thing that everyone says now about Bangalore is that there's just so much traffic and I experienced a little bit of it. Although right now I'm here during the holidays, so it's not as bad as it usually is. But yeah, the traffic, I mean, and this is not just the story of Bangalore. It's a story of a lot of very densely populated cities. People are driving more and traffic is just horrendous. Even though they live like 12 kilometers away, because now I'm in kilometers, I'm not in miles anymore being here. Um, they don't see each other. It's just not worth it to be in traffic for like two hours to see someone because they're all used to not traveling too much. That's crazy. What was your overall motivation to going to India this time? Well, so my husband and myself, we haven't been to India since pre-COVID. And since COVID, we had a baby and who is now a toddler. My husband's parents live in Chennai, India, and his only living grandparent is his grandfather, who is 95. So we want to make sure that our son has time to be with his great-grandfather. So we went to make sure that he saw him and my husband wanted to see some of his friends. And I've lived in India for a year and have many friends here as well. That was the motivation just to go and be with family and friends. That sounds great. But then you have this bad habit of turning your family vacations into biotech trips, which I do too. So you've done a little bit of biotech exploration. I'd love to ask you some questions about that. What did you do? What was your first exposure to biotech in India? Yeah. Well, my first exposure to biotech in India, there's a woman named Shruti Singh, who's a CEO of a company called Terra Bioware. And I thought I met her through other friends, but turns out she cold linked in me and added me to a WhatsApp group called India Biotech. Wow. I think it was 50 people when I joined now. It's about 90, but it's growing fast. And they're all founders and VCs. It's incredible, but it's just a WhatsApp group right now. I've been meeting people through this WhatsApp group in India that are doing incredible things, things that we talk about here on Grow Everything, so people that are using SynBio, people that are making materials, ag tech, food tech, everything, cultivated foods. They're all on this WhatsApp group. The investors actually reached out to me because they want to hear the perspective of what's going on here in the US. So I also asked them what's going on in India biotech. And then I was able to connect with people. So since I was coming to India anyway, I ended up reaching out to some of these founders and VCs and had some chai with them, catching up on what's going on, asking them questions, learning about what's going on here in India in terms of biotech. And it's fascinating. It's interesting to see the differences and similarities of what's happening in India versus the US. I don't know much about what's going on in all of Europe, but obviously some of the smaller cities where we have our clients Carl, but it's great. We say biology happens everywhere. So of course, anytime I travel, I can find some company or someone doing something and be able to talk to them. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. I mean, I don't know if I've said it to you. I feel like I've said it lately, but 
It's like we know people all over the world that are in biotech in some form. And the only place I can point to where we don't really know people, I think, is Central Asia. I know someone from Kazakhstan who is an investor in biotech. But I don't know anybody either from Russia, unless they've come here. But I can't think of any active Russian biotech companies that I know of. And then in terms of Eastern Europe, we know a lot of people. We know people in Africa. We know people in Singapore, Australia, South America. We've got the globe covered. So I was super excited that you were going to India and that you were going to see some of these companies and founders. Now, Bangalore is a big tech center. Is Bangalore also the biotech center of India? That's a good question. I would say so far as I know, <laughs> because they do have the National Center for Biological Sciences. And they also have an organization called CCAMP, which is a Center for Cellular and Molecular Platforms, which is an initiative of the Department of Biotechnology. So sounds like it. There's also where I actually visited a couple of days ago. It's called the Bio Innovation Center. And there's 40 biotech startups there. Wow. Um, they also have, again, a nice spread of different biotech. So not just biopharma, but they have many different types from, again, materials, ag tech, food tech, all in one building. It was pretty cool to go there and see their setup see how it's different from the lab space that we see, although we see different types of lab space here in New York from the community biotech lab, GenSpace, to the Alexandria Center, which is super high tech and has all of the bells and whistles. I would say the Bio Innovation Center has received funding from the government, and then individual companies have either raised private money or raised money through grants. So there's a lot of grant initiatives here in India for biotech companies. I got to see all our setups. Not all of them, actually. I went to, there's one company, again, Terra Bioware, where I met Shruti and her team there. Specifically, I talked a lot to her principal scientist, Akila, who has a PhD in synthetic biology. She knows everything. Actually, she also spoke with Alex Rose of Cascade during her time as a PhD at Anna University in Chennai, which is where my husband's family's from. And I was like, oh, you know, Alex, I'm like, this is great, small world. And because she started talking about her experience with cell free. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a company I know. It's called Cascade Biocatalyst. She's like, oh, Alex, yeah. yeah I was that's... like, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> random. World. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I love hearing all this because one of the things that I'm sure we've talked about on the podcast that I'm fascinated by is. What are the technologies that are being developed outside of, say, the US, Europe, Australia, even in China? And I hate to say developing countries, but outside of those countries that you wouldn't think of as being technological powerhouses, I do think of it as being a tech powerhouse. But what are the technologies that are being developed on the biotech side that are potentially things that we would never think of because the situation is very different? So I'm fascinated by that. Iram, so tell me about Terra Bioware. I love the name. Yeah, so Terra Bioware, founded by Shruti Singh. So what they're doing is they're making natural bioplastics, PHAs, or polyhydroxyl alkanate. And ultimately, we know why they're making bioplastics, because they're compostable, better for the environment. Of course, what they're looking at, too, is to make them higher performing. So there's a lot of experimentation happening on that front. And they're looking at what market to start in. Where do you think they landed in terms of making bioplastics? which I know PHAs are used in a lot of things, but I would like, I want you to take a guess. 
bioplastics, where do I think they landed? Are they doing like a recursive business model where they're trying to go after something that is high value first? Okay. So what's a high value plastic, I don't know, cosmetic packaging? (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Packaging is there. That's the first thing she mentioned, but she's like, actually, they're going to start with cosmetics because there are some PHAs that are used for their UV properties, their exfoliant properties. There's another performance characteristics of cosmetics that they're aiming for. But again, they're still early. There's a lot of experimentation. When I went to the Bio Innovation Center, they showed me their different bioreactors from the small scale to, I think they have up to, I want to say, a hundred liter tank there. And it it took video of it. I shared it with you. It was really cool to see that. Truth and I talked for a little while because I was asking her questions about what's going on biotech. I mean, she is a connector. She connects all these people. She knows all these VCs because she raised money for the company. She can easily raise more in India. She was interested in raising more in in the US. We'll have to talk to Shruti and have her on and talk more about it. But I was telling her we were going to talk about India biotech on the pod. And I was like, well, what do you think about what's going on in India? And she was like, well, you know, India is known for their contract manufacturing and as a contract researcher. So basically, they are hired out to make mainly biopharma products, but that can include ag tech as well. And a lot of people don't know about the innovations that are happening. And a lot of innovations funded by the government, but usually not enough money. Right. In, in the case of India's biotech and Shruti and her team or biotech startups, they're just importing bioreactors. There is room for more picks and shovels to be built in India, meaning bioreactors and manufacturing of that regard when it comes to Synbio in particular and making these ingredients and these new types of precision fermentation products. But since they have limited resources, they have to just make what they have and they're just going to continue doing it. It might take longer. It might not be the most efficient. But there's a term in India called Jagat. And Jagat is a very flexible approach to problem solving that uses limited resources in an innovative way. We always say like building the plane while flying it. I mean, it's very startup-y or like you just need to get it done and you're just going to do it. It's perfect for startup culture. But her perspective was like, look, we don't want to do it that way. We don't want to do it the Jagat way. We want to be able to raise the right amount of money to get the best equipment to do it faster, better, and stronger. I mean, spoken like a great CEO, which I really admire her for that. But I don't want to say that India has to do the Jagat way. I think globally, that's what we need to think. How we need to think is we have limited resources. What can we do? Jagat sounds like a hacker way. How do we hack this? Yeah, how do we have the lean startup? Yeah, lean startup, exactly. <laughs> the lean startup. But it's a spirit. I've seen that throughout India. Not, I mean, not just in biotech or anything, but people need to get something done. Sometimes right. you can see that in some of the buildings or infrastructure. It works. That's the bottom line. Okay, I have a question and I have a comment. So you mentioned high-value cosmetics packaging. I'm curious, does India have an India cosmetics brand? Or is there an India cosmetics company? that everybody in India knows, but is unknown outside of the subcontinent. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's many. The one that is the most controversial is Fair and Lovely, which is... Is is it controversial because of the name? The name is kind of tells you what the product is, right? It's Skin Lightning Cream. Right. I don't even know if they're even still out, but they call it Blow and Lovely now. They changed the name. Okay, that's a specific kind of product, but is there like a cosmetics brand that everybody knows? You mean like a L'Oreal? I yeah, mean, like a L'Oreal. I'm sure there are. I just don't know it. 
Okay. We'll have to look into that. Okay. And then the comment I have is, I think I mentioned this when we interviewed Elliot Roth of Spira, but there was a point at Symbio Beta, it must have been like five or six years ago, where I spent, I don't know, half a day in an algae session. There were two or three companies from India that seemed like they were so advanced. And I'm fascinated with algae. And I said it on the Elliot episode. I'm fascinated by algae because algae basically has three genomes. They've got mitochondria to produce energy. They've got chloroplasts, which basically take sunlight and turn it into energy. And then they've got a nucleus. And so to me, it's like if you can engineer those three things, you should be able to produce some very complicated proteins. And algae on its own is very interesting. But I do remember that these Indian companies seem so far advanced when it came to using algae. Have you come across any of that? From the algae companies, I have not yet. I'm sure I will. I bet if I were to write on this WhatsApp group, I would find someone (laughs) in it. But the thing is, the people that I have spoken with in India, whether they're in this WhatsApp group or in biotech or otherwise, are just so intelligent because there's such strong science and maths. There's more than one math. It's maths. They're just very strong in that. Even when I went to a bookstore with my son the other day, the children's section is all science and math, like fun books where they can just use their imagination and learn about science and math. Like one book was called, Why Does Jelly Jiggle? Right? It was just very interesting. So that curiosity and the way that they speak about science is just fascinating. So I can see how the conversation is advanced because the technology is very important. Is it okay for me to say this? Because I don't even know if I want to go there because it just seemed like biotech is below IT in terms of like interest. Is that true? I don't know if I can say that. No, no, no. (laughs) You can say that. So biotech isn't seen as a high paying job in India. I think it's because a lot of the companies that are there are contracted organizations and a lot of the work becomes technical. So you end up doing the same thing over and over again, and you're not getting paid a lot because anyone can be taught to do that work. And then you're kind of just limited in your options too, since there's not a lot of companies that are big. A lot of the emerging biotechs that are not biopharma, but some of them are that are biopharma that are leveraging biology. They're trying to kind of change that narrative. Shruti's big thing, when I went to go visit her and her team, she kept on saying she's very thankful for us, Carl, for having this podcast and sharing stories. And she's like, we need you to come to India and help with that because no one knows about what's going on in biology and people need to be inspired so they know that there are opportunities for them to join these companies or start something. If they can learn some of the core business aspects, the core technologies, they'll be able to do something that's not just a contracted research organization. So I thought that was a very good perspective that there's a lot bubbling up in India. Another thing that we talked about, because I was asking her, like, look, India has very strong science and math talent. A lot of people that are equipped with this information, one of my good friends who's a photographer for a living, knows a lot about biology because as a child, he studied it and that's not where his career went. But there's just a lot of talent there. India has a lot of science and math talent. So does China. These are countries that have billions of people and like, okay, a lot can happen because you still need a lot of manpower. We talk a lot in the U.S. to founders that are making automation and trying to make things move with less people. But look, in India, you have a lot of manpower, a lot of manpower in China. China is blowing up when it comes to Synbio and all the advancements that are happening there. They have a lot of money going into all of the companies. You and I know this from talking to companies that there's 100 Ginkgo Bioworks in China. There's a lot going on there, a lot further along. The difference between what's happening in China and what's happening in India is that China has very uniformed education and 
They're very collaborative. Everyone has their place. There's not a lot of competition. Everyone's kind of carving out what they're building and building it. Where in India, there's competition. There's a lot of people just doing things in isolation. The education is great, but maybe not uniform and maybe not focused on Synbio or other innovative things. So it's very interesting to hear the differences in how their education and governments run and how that's affecting their innovation, right? So China has um, like its five-year plans. Yes, you know, and, and everyone's following it. Yeah, and everyone follows a five-year plan, and India doesn't have that. Yeah, everyone follows it because money's being poured into it. The Chinese government is pouring it into that. India does have their Department of Biotechnology, which I don't think... Is there a Department of Biotechnology in the U.S., Carl? I don't think so. We should know. I mean, we have had the executive orders on the bioeconomy, but I think biotech ends up being looked at as a technology that impacts multiple departments or administrative offices, whatever we want to call them. You know, like the Department of Defense has a lot of interest in biotech, National Institutes of Health, of course. So, yeah, I don't think that there's one office that is the Office of Biotechnology, though we did see with that executive order from 2022 that it was designed in a way to impact multiple things like the Department of Agriculture, the Department of Defense, et cetera, et cetera, because it isn't a technology that impacts everything. One of the things that I think is really interesting about what you're saying is it's like there's a lot of people working on it and you're in Bangalore, which is like the size of New York City, a little bit smaller. I just read and I sent this to you that there's 5,000 life science related businesses in New York City, which I'd never heard that number. And it just seemed astounding to me. I made It made me go, I wonder if someone added an extra zero to that. So it makes me wonder if you look across India, what's the total number? Not that that matters, but again, where's the innovation happening outside of the companies that are being used? used for contract development or contract manufacturing. Yeah. And all those companies and ideas, they need funding. So if the funding is coming from the government, the Indian government is just as slow as the U.S. government. I don't know who would be slower, but it's just very interesting to see that. I'm sure China's money, again, if they have a very clear plan and everyone's working together, they're able just to get that money faster, whereas it takes a longer time to get money from the government and also from private equity. So speaking to a lot of VCs in India, they are deep tech and climate tech investors, and they're starting to learn more about biotech. That's why they're reaching out to me because they want to kind of get a perspective and start building out their thesis on biotech investing. So that's something that is also developing. So once we get more private money coming in, that will be very helpful for a lot of these startups. Because again, they're doing it the Jagad way, the Jagad way of way. a lot of money, the hacker <laughs> way, and they're figuring it out. It's challenging because they don't have all the bells and whistles needed to have a very contaminant-free fermentation run. They need to have more people and more sterilization tools. You know what I mean? Like that's just an example. So anyway, as more private equity comes into biotech here in India, I'm excited to see which companies start really taking shape, either being a brand in and of itself, like Terra Bioware, they have a great brand, or being acquired by some of the bigs in India, some of the big companies in there, like Reliance or Tata or something like that. Wow. Well, that's so cool. Is there anything else that you want to add about your trip to India? You're still gone for like another week and a half. Yes. What else are you going to do? Yes. So I'm going to probably visit another startup in Chennai. I had met the founder through the WhatsApp group, but I met him last week when I was in China. I'm going to meet him and his team again. The company is called Beversity, and they are a biotech-focused virtual university. And Carl, you've seen their YouTube video of the trailer for their university. It is phenomenal. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal platform. 
They're looking to get accredited with universities so that people that are getting their MBA can get a minor in biotech and create a company and hit the ground running. So I'm excited to meet Sudarshan and his co-founders and his team in Chennai to see what they're building, see how we could be helpful here from the U.S. to diversity. They are virtual universities, so they're not limited to India. They've already worked internationally, so it's exciting to see what they're up to. So I spoke to Sudarshan, I spoke to Shruti, I asked him a few questions about what are some of the developed biotech innovations in India besides biopharma and ag tech. And I also asked them, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages for India's bioeconomy? What do they need to build a bioeconomy or what do they have that makes them unique to really grow bioeconomy? Here's what Sudarshan said. Hi, this is Sudarshan from Beaversity. We're building a virtual college for biotechnology. And uh, thank you, Elam, so much for having me on. Coming back to your question, so what's the most developed biotech innovation in India besides biopharma and agri-tech? I would love to talk about two technologies here. So one is definitely alternate protein space. I know that countries like Singapore, Japan is growing very fast in the alternate protein space. But I also do know that even in India, we have more than 100 plus startups. And we do have a lot of venture capitalists, especially playing in the alternate protein space or in, or in the alternate meat space. So I think that is one of the next developing biotech innovation from India that's been happening because we are also finding India is a place where it's a diverse population, diverse culture. So it's always an opportunity to grow alternate protein into a big market here. Some of the advantages of Indian growing bioeconomy is it's going to create a lot of job space for this entire sector out here because we all know that India is the second largest biotech workforce in the entire world. So India's growing bioeconomy boosts the existing workforce out here is going to create a lot of job opportunities. And we also know that India stands globally in the third in terms of the startup ecosystem itself. So we have, we have also seen, especially in the last five years, the number of biotech startups that's been growing like rapidly. These are some of the huge advantages of India's growing bioeconomy. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, that's awesome. I love hearing that. Cool. Yeah, I'm just excited to stay in touch with all the people that I've met here in India, all the venture capitalists, all the founders, all the scientists all the enthusiasts, because I do have friends, again, that are in different worlds, not in biotech, but are so interested in what's happening in biology because of their own industries. And we'll have some of them on. We said that 2024 is going to be the year we're going to bring more people internationally on the pod. So stay tuned for that. Very excited to be able to come to this part of the world and can't wait to share more about it and go other places. You're headed to Europe next week. I'll be on my way to biofabricate in Paris. We're traveling the world. World domination. Here we yeah. come. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Iran, thanks for your report from India. We'll be back with a new podcast soon enough where we interview someone who isn't one of us. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Well, thanks, Iram, for that wonderful introduction to what's happening in India. I find it fascinating, and I'm really looking forward to talking to more people internationally to hear what's going on. 
in different places around the world, which I think will be inspirational to those of you who are listening to the podcast. As always, if you have any questions, check out the show notes, drop us a line. You can text us. We do have the Grow Everything hotline. You can support us on Patreon. Happy New Year. That's the pod. 